0: Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I invite you to hear these words from Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah a voice of the one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight your paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptized, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come the one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with fire. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Today's scripture lesson introduces to us one of my favorite biblical characters, and that is John the Baptist. Different scriptures tell us different things about John, and what we know about him is that he is Jesus' forerunner. And while he may be Jesus' forerunner, while he may be the prophet who comes before Jesus to announce his coming, John is also first and foremost Jesus' cousin. They've got quite the family happening. We know that John's mother Elizabeth was pregnant with her own miracle baby as Mary learned of her own pregnancy. And the first thing Mary does is run to John's mother, Elizabeth, following that news. And while these two mothers stand together, each with their own miracle baby, John leaps in his mother's womb. He prompts Elizabeth to exclaim that Mary is blessed among women and the mother of the Lord. John is the forerunner of Christ. He's the first to proclaim the truth of Christ's coming and the salvation that he offers. He proclaims it even before he's able to open his mouth and speak himself. He makes his mother, Elizabeth, a woman, the first to call out that Christ is among them. John is a strange person He's not introduced to us in the scripture as this baby. Instead, he's fully grown and he's living out his calling, and that is to be a nomad in the wilderness, prophesying the coming Messiah. This is who John is. He's the first to recognize Christ's presence in the world. He's Christ's cousin. He leaps in his mother's womb. From the very beginning, he's proclaiming the good news. The prophet Malachi, who lived 400 years prior to John and was Israel's last prophet until John appeared, prophesied that John would come. This is what prophets do. They tend to tell you the next one's coming. Malachi said, behold, my messenger He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, who you desire, he comes. Malachi said, behold, I will send you Elijah, a prophet before that great and terrible day. He will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the heart of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In this gospel, John, Jesus identifies John as Elijah. That is, Jesus identifies John as the prophet Malachi seems to be speaking of. And while John might be the realization of Malachi's prophecy he proclaims Jesus to be the realization of Isaiah's prophecy. And this is really confusing. There's all these prophets and all these prophecies, and they're all sort of making allusions towards each other. And it feels like you need like a chart with like all the different players and lines connecting them. Malachi sees John's coming, Isaiah sees Christ coming, and so John calls upon Isaiah's words. The words that we read out of Isaiah today say that a child shall be born, a son shall be given on whose shoulders the government should be, intending this to be comfort for the people in times when the government is in fact not on their side. That that Messiah who is coming will arise out of the house of David. The branch of the Lord will be excellent and glorious. The Messiah who's coming will come from the Jesse and not just David because Jesse lived and died in the meanness and obscurity of the world. His family was of small account. He comes forth out of a stem a stump of Jesse. When the royal family is cut down and only the stump is left, that is when he shall appear. Out of this stump, which is almost leveled with the ground, this person shall sprout. It's strange to read these types of prophecies. They feel mystical and confusing. They feel difficult to make sense of. Isaiah's prophecy is one that we we struggle with. Isaiah goes on to offer some sort of clarity that this mystery person who will come from a stump will come in a time of terror and justice. Isaiah promises this person will come and bring new growth giving a trampled people hope giving them a different different world to live in he promises there'll be rest and security there will be stability he promises the spirit of the Lord the wind and the breath of God ever moving will rest and settle on this fruit bearing branch he promises a ruler to mediate God's care for creation, to hold power over life and death itself. He promises that lamb shall lie with wolf, that small boy shepherds will be safe amongst lions and leopards and bears, that sheeps and goats and cows will coexist with all of those who once consumed them. He promises that an infant is safe, not only at its mother's breast, but as it reaches into a snake's nest, that a toddler now weaned who stretches their hand into the hole of a viper will be fine. There will be no evil, none will destroy. we read this, friends, one of the reasons it's so confusing is that It's not meant to be read literally. Prophecies are metaphors, illusions, they're difficult to make sense of. And that's why we have prophets. That's why John has come. In the scripture lesson today, we hear about John as a person, and as I said, he's one of my favorite people because he's just weird. He's just absolutely strange. Even for biblical Jays, John is just like next level, odd. The gospel tells us that John lives in the desert wilderness feeding on locusts and honey, which you can imagine how delicious that might be. That he dresses in camel hair, which is not of fashion of the times. That he's a nomad who goes around dunking people in water and talking about the end times, leaving us to wonder how is it this man who wears camel fur and eats bugs and lives in the desert and just does a lot of other strange things, wandering around talking about the end times and dunking people in water, how is it that he is Jesus's forerunner? At best, he just seems like Jesus's really, really weird cousin. John is an end-time prophet whose message is that repentance needs to happen now. Repent, God is coming. That God will be revealed to us. That the time is now, he is among us. The Messiah is here, repent. How many of you have heard something like that before? I think one of the difficulties of John is that he sounds like one of those preachers who stands on street corners with a megaphone and yells at you. As I imagine him in my head, he just has wild hair and wild eyes and that like intense stare that kind of scares you and he's in his camel hair and he just is yelling at you and he wants to dunk you in water. In my head, and my overactive imagination, like locusts just kind of crawl on him and like perch on his shoulder. <laughs> he's just a very strange figure. He gives out these eerie prophecies and he's telling people, repent, repent, the end is here, the Messiah is here. And that makes John really strange for us to like, because he reminds us of people who perhaps we don't want to be anywhere near. It reminds us of a form of Christianity that perhaps makes us really uncomfortable and maybe turns us off completely. I think that's valid. John is difficult in all of his uniqueness. He directly mentions fire. In Matthew, that the end is coming, and I think we lose sight of what John truly means. Our own context sort of taints the purity of John. The truth is that in the modern world and modern Christianity, we lost sight of what the word repent actually means. It doesn't mean hell or damnation, it doesn't mean the end is here right now it doesn't mean or else. The word repent quite literally means to just turn around. John is declaring an agent of transformation is among them, that Jesus is here and he's inviting his preachers to turn, his hearers to turn. He's inviting them to turn away from the world as it is, the sin, the evil, the oppression, and to turn towards Jesus, to turn towards the promise of Isaiah's words, to change what it is they're looking at and seeing value in. John offers Isaiah's vision of the promised one, the one who will make lion and lamb lie together, who will make it so innocent children are safe the one who's promised to bring peace that is so unexplainable and seemingly impossible. John offers people to repent and turn towards this, this vision of impossible peace, of strange hope. He tells them that that thing is coming. In fact, it's already here. It's among us. And while John seems completely like he's lost it, he yells this good news with great fervor. And I think it's not out of fear tactics, but pure excitement. For the knowledge that love is here, repent, turn towards it. Goodness is here, see it. I can imagine for those around him, John is a confusing human. Even in biblical times, in today's day and age, I think none of us would take someone like John seriously. If a man wandered around eating bugs, drizzled in honey, wearing camel fur, proclaiming the end times, living in a nomadic lifestyle, none of us would take that seriously. It's shocking that such a person had followers He did have disciples. It's shocking he managed to convince anyone to let him baptize them. It's shocking that Christ himself is baptized by this guy. That he and Jesus share the same blood. John is the exact opposite of what we would expect Christ's forerunner to be. He's the opposite of the type of person we would expect to proclaim the good news. In no way is he the kind of messenger God would offer that I would expect. He's not at all what most people envision when we envision the person who will proclaim good news. He's not really relatable or approachable. He certainly has a shock value. He's a unique guy doing his own thing and he's fully living into who God has made him to be. John is John, relentlessly. He does what he does, and the world views it as strange and weird, and he doesn't stop. In fact, he dies for it. For many people, I'm sure John is someone they reduce to just being crazy or perhaps demon-possessed. He's someone whose message had no merit and his ramblings about the incredible peace that Isaiah prophesied coming near to us, I imagine many people just completely wrote off. And John is an essential piece in Christ's story. He ministers to masses, he baptizes people, he does it all. He embraces his quirks, and he doesn't conform to social norms, and he has a successful ministry. That's what I love most about him. John is the weirdest of the weird, and he's called by God, and when he leans into it, he does a lot of good. He reminds us that sometimes the word of God comes through bodies and vestibules we don't expect and don't necessarily want to call holy. He reminds us that these bodies we might dismiss have important messages that they might be the most holy. He's an interesting forerunner and he kind of makes sense when you consider that God comes in the form of a brown baby born to an unwed mother as they flee persecution. He's a fit forerunner for a very unlikely Christ. He reminds us that the best way to answer God's call in our life is to be faithful to the person God has created us to be, regardless of how much the world finds that to be non-traditional or unappealing. Most importantly, John reminds us that the truth of Christ and the truth of who we are is not separate. They're bound up in each other. The sharing of one is fully dependent on the sharing of the other. That is, when we fully embrace who it is we are, even if it is somebody who lives in the desert and eats bugs. When we fully embrace that, and we answer the call, we're able to fully embrace Christ and Christ is able to fully use us. This Advent season friends, my hope for you is that you hear John's words, that you know they long predate John, that they're the words of Isaiah, a promise of peace, peace which makes absolutely no sense, peace that comes in unexpected forms, and that you would repent That is, you would turn towards it, even if it's just a little. Most folks, I think, have found repentance is just that, a constant slow, small turn, a little closer to Christ every time. That you would be open to meeting God's holiness in unexpected forms. Because it will come and likely it will come through unexpected bodies and unexpected mouths and people who we perhaps just find strange and unappealing who people who we might be just want to write off. May you hear their promise, friends. May you hear the words God has given them. And may you know that perhaps God is calling you closer through the mouth of this unexpected prophet. Thanks be to God.